This week on Thingamabob. Pumpkin spiced spam. Oh, cornmeal or uh, popcorn? Pop, yeah, maybe. Wunderl Candy Company. In Germany? In Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for more. Baseball bats and gallon cowboy hats and more. Magic rings and other nerdy things in store. Listen on in, it's time for Thingamabob. Better tune in, it's time for Thingamabob. Thingamabob! Well, hello, Josh. Well, hello, Brianna. (laughs) Hello to everybody (laughs) listening. And welcome to Thingamabob. This week's theme is fall things. Christian girl autumn. (laughs) (laughs) Fall is my favorite season because I love apples. And leaves. I was just going to say your favorite Bath and Body Works candle. <laughs> leaves. Leaves. And also colors. Uggs. And sweaters. <laughs> this is so stupid. Really chunky sweaters. <laughs> Infinity scarves. <laughs> A trip down the pumpkin patch. <laughs> that little gourd that we bring out that is plastic. <laughs> Our one plastic gourd. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, we also have that giant ceramic pumpkin. We I do. Love. We have one single plastic spider on our TV console. <laughs> that has been there since the last Halloween. Yeah, it's to scare away the other bugs. Are you going to give us a um, line of spiders? I might. I might. A little a little path to uh, Aragog. Yeah. yeah. Follow the spiders. Might. I might put more batteries in the ghost projection light. Oh, I did love the ghost projection light, actually. <laughs> I did. I opened up the bottom of it the other day, though, and one of the batteries exploded. So I don't know if it'll still work or not, but we'll see. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, it was the ghosty. He was revolting. Revolting. Speaking of revolting, what's your yeah. thorn of this week? Oh, um, my thorn of this week is non-existent because... <laughs> you had a good week? I had a good week. Um, Should we say that we're recording this ahead of time? Does it matter? <laughs> We are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't want to be deceptive to I'm, our viewers. Yeah, our listeners. preemptively saying, I'm I'm going on vacation, so I'm going to say that I don't have a thorn for this week, because yeah. I'll be on vacation. But also, you can share and tell us about your vacation when you get back next week. Yeah, I can. I and I'm can so excited to hear the bad and the good. But now that we're, we've exposed ourselves, <laughs> do you have a rose <laughs> of this fake week? Where I do have a rose up? of the fake week. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's not vacation, which it probably will be, I was able to get a ticket to a show that I've been saying, like, I want to go see this show. It's a limited run. It's Passover on Broadway. So it'll be the first, like, official Broadway show back because we did see Shakespeare in the Park, but it's technically not Broadway. Mm-hmm. So it'll be first Broadway show back since the shutdown. And I'm glad that I actually went online and got a ticket and checked the end date because it only runs for October 10th and I'm leaving on October 1st. Yeah. So I had, if I was going to see it, it had to be like this week. And um, so many times we talk about like, oh, we need to see the show or we regret not seeing the show that exactly left Broadway. It. Yeah. That's why I was like, I have to get a ticket because the number of times I have said, I want to see this show and then don't think about it and the show closes and mm-hmm. I just never got to see it is countless. So I am very happy with myself for, like, remembering and actually getting the ticket. I know. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard good things. So I'm very excited. I, I'm projecting that 
will be my my rose for the week. It could be, yeah. I see. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. What are you? Well, I just told both of mine. What are your rose and your thorn? Well, I I grilled you about both of yours because both of mine are related. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I can share them both. Okay. It's uh, my rose this week is home improvements. Oh. Yeah. And my thorn this week is the cost of <laughs> home improvements. Yes. I just want to do so much, but I can't because. It just costs so much money. Even like the little things, I'm like, so I know. this is just a small example of my bouginess. So <laughs> I like have been looking at like Parachute Home <laughs> and <laughs> West Elman Pottery Barn for mm-hmm. like linen bedding because I wanted really nice linen bedding because mm-hmm. it's been like five years since I got my yes, old linen bedding. Because you're a middle-aged woman who lives on the coast decorating her home. <laughs> Yeah, I live on... Yes, I need yes. it to be a cool bedding, because I get so warm mm. in Arizona. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not the coast, but you get... <laughs> yeah, the whatever. Yeah, eh, whatever. But looking up, like, Parachute Home, they're, they're these really nice quilted... I won't get into it. <laughs> Euro shams. And those are, like, together for a set of two, it's, like, $180 mm-hmm. for Euro shams. Yes. Uh, literally unacceptable. Overpriced. <laughs> Way overpriced, but they're so cute. And so I went on Amazon and got, like inserts and the euro shams which are still linen and look nice and i read the reviews or whatever for fifty dollars mm-hmm. for the inserts and the shams two mm-hmm. of them but <laughs> that being said though fifty dollars is still a chunk of change and those add up because for I, pillowcases, I bought yeah. a new lamp we got a new s- table for the living room we yes. Got, yeah, we got a new mirror for the living room. We're going to get a new lamp for the living yeah. room. We're, we're just trying doing... to redo our space. <laughs> well, we're trying to make it feel like a home because we had had free furniture for so long, which we're very grateful for mm-hmm. our free furniture because it's really done its trick. <laughs> but there are some things in it that we're, yeah. we've been settling on our side table being a TV dinner tray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of the furniture in our space. Like we, we moved into this apartment or even just New York, like New York furniture right after college and it's been a few years now and so we have a little more money <laughs> yeah the post-college <laughs> free furniture vibe right, right is not doing it for us anymore so we are redecorating our home a little bit right with affordable options yeah but we're that trying being said, though, those like little affordable options add up yeah and so while i haven't gotten 180 dollars worth of euro shams mm-hmm after all this is said and done, mm-hmm. I'll probably have gotten $180 worth of Euro shams. Right. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> Enough about home improvements. Let's talk mm-hmm. about fall. Yes. Let's do it. My fall object is the most popular seasonal beverage of all time and probably one of the most divisive drinks of all time, <laughs> the pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> Very nice. Love a good PSL. We love a good PSL. Hashtag. <laughs> we really do. So there are um, 424 million pumpkin spice lattes have been sold since its debut. It's a lot of lattes. It is. It has earned Starbucks $2 billion just on those lattes alone. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a solid investment. Truly a solid <laughs> investment. Yeah. And a little risky investment. The craziest thing about the pumpkin spice latte recently is that the Starbucks foot traffic has been down 20% since the pandemic and people have been working from home. Obviously, they're not Mm -hmm. going to get their drink before work. When the pumpkin spice latte was released this year on August 24th, which is the earliest it's ever been like released because it's it's still summer. There were like every year. Yeah. Well, there were like Twitter tweets about um, it's 90 degrees outside, but you know, I'm still going to get my pumpkin (laughs) spice latte. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> that actually brought foot traffic up 15%. Wow. Isn't that insane? Yeah. In like a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, I guess people are feeling like a little safer now, too. A little even safer though. going out. And some people are <laughs> back to work. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. But I was like, oh my God. After being down 20% since the pandemic started. Yeah. It's insane. Wow. The power of the pumpkin spice. It's unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> so pumpkin spice is a specific spice blend, usually made of cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, allspice, and sometimes clove. Mm. <laughs> the other spice. <laughs> this combination of spices has probably been used many times before. <laughs> but for example, a combination called mixed spice or English pudding spice can be seen in the early 1800s. Ooh. And yes, early early the earliest sign at least recorded of pumpkin pie spice is shown up in 1970 er, 1798. <laughs> Very different. Were you <laughs> yes. going to freak out for a second? <laughs> I know I was going to say no way. Yeah, oh 1798 in Amelia Simmons cookbook American Cookery where a recipe for pumpkin spice filled pumpkin pie is shown with nutmeg and ginger, and another with allspice and ginger. Hmm. So, pumpkin pie spice, not necessarily because pumpkin became, like, a kind of phenomenon, especially in America, or in the United States, it became such a, like, pumpkin and pumpkin pie and Mm pumpkin-related things became Mm -hmm. such a thing, that then the spices within it became a thing in, like, this American... Is it because pumpkins are native to the U.S.? Like, squash and stuff? Oh, maybe. I think maybe that's why pumpkin pie is such a thing here. Because I think it's a native vegetable. If then, I'm yeah. wrong, no, let me know. <laughs> but that makes sense. I really breezed through the history of pumpkin because I did. That was irrelevant to yes, me. Yeah, it is. I'm just trying to, you know. Yeah, but definitely, though, like pumpkin was such at least a phenomenon, whether mm-hmm. or not it is only in the United States yeah. or started in the United States or whatever. Yeah. It definitely became a phenomenon in the United States, and therefore the spices related to it became a phenomenon. But, like, even in other recipes, like the English pudding or whatever, these some of these spices were used. But pumpkin pie spice, or spice for pumpkin pie, I should say, because then in 1933, like, we see Thompson & Taylor Spice Co. came out with a pre-made pumpkin pie spice, mm, is what they yep. called. So yeah. that's when, like, the actual spices were you know, market it together. Yes. Because who has time to buy five different spices? I do. And this Thompson... (laughs) Bree's got a spice rack, we all know. She's got a lovely little spice (laughs) I can barely hold, like, ten spices in my cabinet. That's why why I bought shelves specifically for my spices. And I'm happy for you and your spices. (laughs) Thank you. This pumpkin pie spice blend that Thompson and Taylor Co. made had nine spices... And just one year later, the McCormick and Co. I don't know if you're familiar. I am. Mm-hmm, came out with a more streamlined version that includes just the four iconic spices: cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, and allspice. So the blend was created. It was used. It was abused. And so when <laughs> coffee shops were looking for new flavors of coffee, it's no surprise that this was considered for a seasonal mm-hmm. drink. <laughs> and one of the most popular coffee shops, Starbucks. Have you ever heard of them? No, I don't think so. <laughs> mm. Peter Dukes, along with his espresso <laughs> team at Starbucks, who created drinks like the eggnog latte and peppermint mocha, mm. were trying to recreate the success of the peppermint mocha, which debuted just the year before. They were, like, tasked for it. Oh. So, yeah. In January 2003, they began doing research and came up with 20 different flavors and drinks that they presented to consumers to see which kind of caught on mm-hmm. as, like, oh, is this something you're interested in? And then we can make it into an yeah, actual yeah. drink. 
And pumpkin, uh, a pumpkin flavored espresso drink was on that list, and it fell in the middle of the road. Mm. But when they were, uh, they had to narrow it down to four, a top four, to then kind of start creating flavors for. They took a risk and were like, you know what? Let's throw pumpkin in there because we just have a feeling it's going to be popular. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Never. So, yeah. So they kept pumpkin. Um, yeah, which is crazy. Wow. What? I just, uh, <laughs> there can be 99 people in a room. <laughs> no. Yeah. And if one believes in pumpkin spice. <laughs> but one pumpkin. <laughs> one pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah, very that. <laughs> so in doing the testing, Starbucks scientists in what they call the liquid lab took bites of pumpkin and drank espresso afterwards to see which flavors kind of. Like just straight up pumpkin? Oh, Pumpkin pie. Oh, <laughs> that's a pretty big difference. I forgot a key word. Yeah, I was like, ew. That, nobody would think Can't that was you good. Raw pumpkin. Ugh. They're like, mm, the right. notes of crunching pumpkin. into a baby pumpkin. <laughs> yes, the stringy texture. Ugh. God. Okay, pumpkin pie. Pumpkin followed pie by... followed by uh, espresso to which kind sounds... of like see which flavors yeah. kept or whatever. Delicious. I also read that they literally poured espresso onto pumpkin pie and then ate that. I believe it. Me too. <laughs> they spent three months working on flavor combinations and the original latte didn't contain any pumpkin, just the spices and milk and sugar. Hmm. So which makes sense because it's pumpkin spice latte, not like right. pumpkin pie latte. Right. So it's just the spices that were included in pumpkin spice. Mm-hmm. They landed on a combination that gave them very fall vibes, almost called it the fall harvest latte. Okay. Would have flopped. <laughs> <laughs> but they ended up with pumpkin spice latte, thank God. And it was released in just 100 stores that fall. It broke records and beat expectations right away. And the following year, in 2004, it was put in all Starbucks locations. Oh, the little pumpkin that could. Chug along. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll be chugging it right after this. Of course, Starbucks isn't the first person to add pumpkin spice into their latte, but they are responsible for the pumpkin spice explosion that occurred. Mm-hmm. McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, even 7-Eleven, my personal favorite, <laughs> started having pumpkin spice drinks. And many other companies hopped on the trend with Oreos and M&M's and even pumpkin spiced Spam. Oh. Have you ever heard of that? No. Ew. <laughs> oh, God. Literally makes me want to gag. I hate Spam. <laughs> Except for my dad used to make actually pretty good Spam sandwiches, like really? breakfast sandwiches. But just, like, thinking of pumpkin-spiced spam. Yeah. uh, No, thank you. I'll pass. No. When Instagram grew in 2015, it also started the phenomenon that was the divisive nature of the Mm. pumpkin-spiced latte, the PSL. (laughs) Everyone was quick to get their fall photos with their drink paired with a cozy scarf, Ugg boots, (laughs) wide-brimmed hat. (laughs) (laughs) And this, of course, was seen as basic by many people, as trends often do. I say let people drink what they want, but yes. I actually understand, like, kind of the hatred to pumpkin spice latte because it exemplifies consumerism. Mm, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, a certain amount of classism because yeah. Starbucks is expensive, so... My pumpkin... I got a grande pumpkin spice latte mm-hmm. today just to, like, you know, for research purposes. <laughs> Feel the vibes. <laughs> Feel the fall vibes. <laughs> Um, and it was 6.30. Wow. Sure, that was probably with tax, but how much... That... That's more than I thought it would be. Yeah, it was so expensive. Did you get oat milk or something? No. 
Wow. I got a plain pumpkin spice latte, nothing added to it. Wow. And it was it was grande too. I feel too. like that's gone up in price. Yes. Yes, it has. Cause <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, because I was reading about it, obviously. <laughs> and it was like, they were talking about like $4. They were named yeah. after like $4. Yeah. And I'm like, when? It's like $6 now, because 30 is probably how much the tax was. So wow. 30 cents. So yeah. like $6 for my pumpkin spice latte. Wow. It was stupid. I'm not buying another latte. <laughs> That's right. Don't give in to the consumerism. Right. I understand now. Right. The but also, like what you like. <laughs> like what you like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, also, that same year in 2015, Vani Hari, a food blogger, exposed Starbucks for not actually having pumpkin in their pumpkin spice latte. They didn't say it was pumpkin, though. Exactly. Yeah. She didn't understand, I guess. She's just a fluid, <laughs> fluid, a fluid blueger. <laughs> um, <laughs> pumpkin spice doesn't have pumpkin in it. Right. It's the spice. It's the spice. It's just spices. Um, <laughs> so they decided, actually, that year to start adding pumpkin. Really? So in 2015, from 2015 to now, they have mm. pump, like pumpkin puree or whatever. Wow. In I what? Think, uh, um, in the uh, it's like sauce. A... It's a sauce. Oh, okay. You know how they have like caramel sauce and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. It's in that, yeah. Or I maybe see. in the pump or who cares. Whatever, somewhere. <laughs> somewhere there is pumpkin. And isn't that just dreamy? Yeah. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> sure. there is pumpkin. <laughs> Now, part of the reason it's so popular now is that it's limited. We talked about this earlier a little Mm -hmm. bit. It's only in stores for a short period of the year, and this brings about a nostalgic, warm fall feeling that people are kind of desperate for, especially at the end of certain seasons. That's why the same thing like holidays are popular. Deborah Donston Miller from Forbes says that limited edition products have built-in marketing that can grow over time, and pumpkin spice latte is the perfect example of that mm-hmm. because it did grow over time and yes. became unstoppable. <laughs> so go grab your PSL and live your fall realness. You know what? I will. Make it a tall, though, so it's less expensive. It's probably still like five fifty. It's actually more expensive. It's $10 for a tall. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, she got a venti. <laughs> uh, that's it. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. You're welcome. Let me go live my Christian girl autumn dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you better. With your PSL and your wide brim top. Hell yeah. And a chunky scarf. Josh. Yeah? I'm going to talk, talk to you about candy corn. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, so uh, if you don't know, you probably do. But candy corn uh, today is made from a mixture of sugar. <laughs> no surprise. Corn syrup. <laughs> Sorry. Fondant and gelatin that is then dyed in either white, orange, or yellow. Why are you laughing? Just <laughs> because it sounds awful. It does. You lay it out like that. It it's does. It's quite tasty. Also, not vegan. Oh. Gelatin, yeah. Period. <laughs> okay, so uh, the mixtures are poured into molds that are coated in cornstarch and are poured in one color at a time to result in their iconic white, orange, and yellow stripes. Mm. Once they have dried and hardened, the kernels are polished and coated with edible wax to give them their <laughs> texture and shine. <laughs> That's what I'm hate. <laughs> we both did divisive objects. Yes, we did. Some people, like, if you hate... Uh, candy corn, you hate candy yes. corn. Yes, and I'm going to talk about that just a tiny bit. Ooh, I can't Towards wait. the end, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, we both did uh, divisive, seasonal, fall <laughs> objects. 
justifies the all things. <laughs> Rolls the off title, the tongue. The title. <laughs> all right. So yes. where does it come from? Um, the internet is kind of dodgy when it comes to who actually <laughs> invented candy corn. Oh. Yeah. Almost every article I read had some sort of phrase along the lines of like, the National Confectioners Association claims that, or... The accepted story is, oh. or the myth is, of candy oh. corn. It's very weird, but they all say, uh, it seems like like they don't know who invented it, but they all say that it is a guy named George Renninger. Did he work for Brock's? He did not work for Brock's. <gasps> I know. So they give him they give him credit, but in a weird way. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, in a way of, like, we don't know, but it is this guy, but we don't know. Well, sometimes we cover our bums like that. That's true. But Being the like, internet also did. This person says. <laughs> it was like every article was written that way. It was uh, so weird. Uh, yeah, I wonder what the, is the deal with that. I don't know. Um, but near the end of the 1800s, George Renninger was working for the Wunderl, Wunderl Candy Company. In Germany? In Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> at this time, the United States was very agriculturally based, and so the products that we consumed as a nation reflected that, as manufacturers were strongly trying to appeal to the American farmer and their families. Candies were often shaped like things reflective of nature or farming. It was common to see fondant candies called buttercreams, shaped like turnips, pumpkins, Ooh. chestnuts, clovers, oh. nuts, etc. All of these little little nature things. Makes sense. <laughs> Just nature things. Mm. So uh, it wouldn't have been unusual to see corn kernel-shaped candies being sold. Um, what was new and exciting, though, was the tricolor presentation of candy corn. Right off the mm -hmm, bat. From the start. That's what like made it popular was those three colors. So the process of creating this design was really labor intensive, especially for the time. Um, but it was a hit with consumers, and so it became a popular candy very quickly. You seem so shook. I am shook. <laughs> yeah, it's, right off the bat. It's candy corn, you know, like popular so quickly. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I know. But um, you were saying that the other things were happening at the time, so I'm sure like it was like not surprising, but like also kind of exciting. Yeah, it's like, ooh. And I think we don't like not everybody loves candy corn today because we have so many options. At this time, like they had other candies, but it was a really common form of candy to have that same like taste and texture of candy corn. And I could appreciate the like nature of because there is a color gradient ish mm -hmm. to like corn kernels. Yeah. <laughs> Vaguely. Yeah. So having it be very, like, color blocky. Yeah. I can appreciate that kind of artistic <laughs> element. I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a cartoonist. A cartoonist? Yeah. Okay. I draw. Great. For... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> okay. So since we don't know for sure if he actually invented it or not, there are a few steps that are skipped between George Renninger's like invention of candy corn and the sale of his recipe to oh. the Golitz Confectionery Company, which is now the Jelly Belly Candy Company. Oh. Yeah. They had the original recipe in 1898. Um, but long story short, they bought his recipe and they started mass producing candy corn. 
at these beginning stages, it was actually called chicken feed and no. was sometimes, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was sometimes sold in a box emblazoned with a rooster on the front. <laughs> I know. I, okay, I found this interesting. I didn't write it down because I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it or not, but given that it was called chicken feed for a little bit, there's like an interesting factoid that I was reading, it was an article from The Atlantic, and they said at this point in time, corn wasn't really considered, like, food for human consumption. It was for feeding livestock. But Mm -hmm. I didn't want to include it because that felt vaguely racist to me, because corn is, like, such a staple food for so many different, like, communities and ethnicities that are not just, like, white European people. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, like, corn corn is, like, an, a food that was used by the natives for so long, both, like, in North and South America. And so for that phrase to be like, oh, it wasn't human food, it just felt weird oh, to me. Oh, yeah, fair. I don't really know about the history of corn, but I can see Yeah, I guess what they were saying is there weren't as many varieties at the time, so now we have, like, sweet corn, which we primarily use if we're just eating corn. But the other forms of corn are used for, like, cornmeal or... Um, popcorn? Pop, yeah, maybe. Things things like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just figured I would mention it yeah. now to explain... Wouldn't surprise me. Right. Well, to explain the name chicken feed instead of just, like, oh, <laughs> human feed. Candy corn? <laughs> Candy corn. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, just a weird, fun little factoid. But... Mm, factoid. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> So at first, uh, candy companies lacked machine automation to make the labor-intensive candies, so they were only made seasonally, usually starting in late August and then producing throughout the fall. Now, before machines took over, the candy was made by workers mixing together primarily sugar and corn syrup in kettles into something that they called a slurry, but it was really just like a sugar mixture, Um, then adding in fondant and marshmallow for texture and taste. The mixture would be poured hot into buckets for workers called stringers to pour into the kernel molds. They would walk backwards down the tray line, pouring the mixture into cornstarch-dusted trays, one color at a time, starting first with white, then yellow, then orange. The candies were then dried out, tumbled in edible wax, loaded into wooden boxes, and shipped out. So, almost exactly like how I described it earlier. Yes. Not much has changed. Period. Period. <laughs> it's just that machines started taking over the job, but the yeah. process is still the same. If it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Get a machine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That explains the Industrial Revolution. If it ain't broke, get a machine. <laughs> History books by... <laughs> you can sum it up in one sentence. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't until the 1940s that candy corn became strongly associated with Halloween. The tradition of going door-to-door for candy really took root in the United States after the sugar rations that had been in place during World War II had been lifted. So candy corn became a perfect option for handing out to kids as it already had strong associations with autumn and the harvest, and production time mirrored the fall season. Now, candy corn is one of the few candies to not only survive as long as it has, but to remain unchanged throughout its whole life. Yeah. The National Confectioners Association claims that candy corn, the the candy corn we eat today, is essentially the same as it was 100 years ago. How? I know. (laughs) How? I mean, 
I, obviously food has like food regulations and things mm-hmm. like that have come such a far way mm-hmm. well and just like public taste changes yeah yeah that's insane i know um so outside of its popularity as a halloween candy candy corn became a staple penny candy and was sold year round once it became more and more popular nice. so the jelly belly candy company as well as competitor brock's uh-huh. <laughs> would begin to market the candy for different holidays such as christmas valentine's day and easter Switching up the color combination for each in order to be relevant year-round. Wow. We don't see that much anymore, do we? No, it still exists. Oh, re- oh really? Yeah, you can still buy uh, candy corn for, like, all different holidays. Oh, I guess I never look. Yeah. I associate it so deeply with fall. Yeah, well, and nobody really likes it that much anymore, so, like, why would you <laughs> <laughs> look to buy... <laughs> Have it any other time. Yeah. <laughs> You know, subject yourself to the horror. That really, is. though, it's like a Halloween tradition to like eat some kind of crappy candy. <laughs> no, but Peeps, though. I see. I don't like Peeps. I was just gonna say though, that's an Easter tradition. That is a crappy thing that people hate. It is exactly. They are. Yeah, they're very similar. Every holiday's got their sh- crappy candy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. So actually, in an issue of Life magazine from 1957, there was an ad for Brock's Summertime Candies, which was a mixed bag of sweets, and included in the mix was candy corn. What? For the summertime. Mixed with other sweets. I mean, they they were like wrapped, I think, but it was like oh, oh, okay, mints okay. and chocolates and stuff. It was weird. Okay. It was a weird mix. <laughs> So as we just mentioned a little bit, today candy corn is available year-round if you want it, and it comes in many colors and flavors, including a new bag Oh no! of turkey dinner mix <laughs> from Brock's. That's a throwback. Is it? Yeah, you said it was chicken feed, right? Oh, yes. So I, I, I see you mean like chicken turkey feed. dinner. I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, no, but it is actually flavors from like a Thanksgiving dinner. Oh. Yeah, so the candy corn, it's like a mix of them in the bag. The flavors are green beans, <laughs> roasted turkey, cranberry sauce, <laughs> ginger glazed carrot. Oh. <laughs> sweet potato pie. Well, yeah. Stuffing and coffee. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> yeah. I think actually coffee and apple pie. Is another one, but I forgot to write it down. I am purchasing that from Amazon. As <laughs> I feel like we should just to try it. That sounds fascinating. It it sounds to me like um, Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans. I was just gonna say this is perfect for the Patreon. Yeah, to do that like taste Ooh, test. Oh, do thing a little taste test. Do. Yeah, yeah. Where we can guess which <laughs> which Thanksgiving dish it is. We'll set that up before Thanksgiving. <laughs> That gives us a deadline. <laughs> yeah, so that we can do a little taste test on the Patreon. That's a good idea. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so obviously people tend to hold strong opinions on candy corn, mm-hmm. whether you are in favor or against it. Um, there's a quote from a comedian, Lewis Black, who said that candy corn is the only candy in the history of America that's never been advertised. And there's a reason. All of the candy corn that was ever made was made in 1911. <laughs> 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 it's a very funny joke, Lewis. Yes. Um, so one interesting observation that I read about was that older people tend to be more on the side of loving candy corn. That makes sense. Right, because most likely when they were younger, if they're very old, um, it was more of a seasonal item, which made it special and it was more common for that flavor to be around. 
um, mellow cream candies. Oh. That is like the the name of those sort of like the little pumpkins that are the same as candy corn. Oh, I love those pumpkins. Yeah, it's the it's the same thing, yeah, but it's a different just, shape. Yeah. <laughs> so those are called mellow cream candies, um, and they were really common. And so the texture and the flavor was just really familiar to people who are a little bit older. Whereas maybe now, if you're younger, you don't have that same sense of nostalgia. Yeah. Connected to the candy corn. So you might not like it as much. I don't mind candy corn. I'm Me not. Too. I, I don't actually have a strong opinion about it. It's like it's fine. I won't actively purchase or seek candy corn. No, but, but if, if it's, it's around, I yeah. will eat it. <laughs> exactly. If it's there, I might have a couple. Yeah, especially yeah. those pumpkins. I don't know why those are better because they're, the, they're basically thicker, the same. Maybe. Yeah, but they're thicker and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So to close us out, I have fun facts for you, Joshua. Ooh, wait, I want those fun factoids. Fun factoids? Darling. Okay. <laughs> We're going to change it to fun factoids. Oh, God. So, uh. <laughs> National Candy Corn Day is on October 30th. Oh, okay. Obviously, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, you can find endless things that are candy corn flavored, including cream cheese, Oreos, M&Ms, coffee, vodka, and more. Candy corn spice latte. Probably. <laughs> Starbucks. They, yeah, candy corn flavoring is everywhere. A 2013 study found that out of candy corn consumers surveyed, 46.8% ate the whole candy piece at once, while 42.7% of people no. ate color by color, starting no. with the white end. Those are not to be trusted. And 10.6% of those surveyed did the same thing, but started at the bottom of the kernel with yellow. So you're telling me that more people than not go color by color? Yes. You are psychopaths <laughs> and are not to be trusted. That's wow, insane. strong, strong opinions. They, it's the same flavor, is it not? Yes, it's like all like vaguely vanilla. Oh my god, that's <laughs> psychotic. <laughs> I don't. I listen. Let people enjoy things. <laughs> yeah, I will. Okay. Oh, you're right. The pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. <laughs> Prime example. You're right. Um, so candy corn tends to place second on the list of favorite Halloween treats, despite so many people hating it. Wow. Coming in only behind chocolate. Wow. I know. Very popular. Shocking. Yes. Um, and then my last fun factoid for you. Yes. <laughs> Uh, is that there is one story of controversy that involves candy corn, and it takes place in the year 1950. So on one Halloween evening, one being 1950 Halloween, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> kids all across the U.S. came down with gastrointestinal distress and oh. broke out in rashes and welts. No. The FDA did an investigation and found that none of the candy ingested by those affected was tampered with, but they did have one ingredient in common, orange dye number one. Ooh. Orange dye number one was a color derived from coal tar what? and was obviously poisonous. But it took a mass amount of sickness for people to put two and two together and realize that the dye was the cause of the illness. Wow. I know. It was actually a really commonly used dye in a variety of foods, not just candy corn, um, and was put into use in 1906. But in 1950, it was promptly outlawed and replaced with a different dye. Before the FDA... Before the CDC, America was wild. We were just consuming poisons all over the all place. All over, for fun. For, <laughs> literally, for fun. In my candy. 
Yeah. And that's canned corn. <laughs> well, no longer poisonous. Very delicious. Mm-hmm. And nutritious. No. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. Thank you, Bree. You're welcome, Josh. And thank you all, Fall Little Babies, for listening. If you have any theme suggestions for us, you can send them over to thingamabobpodcast at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Instagram at thingamabobpodcast or on Twitter at thingamabobpod. While you're there, give us a follow and please subscribe to our show on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Please leave us a review. It really helps us show up on the iTunes charts and new and recommended page. And make sure to join us next week where we double, double, toil and travel, fire burn and cauldron bubble. And thank you for joining us, because now we are all two things smarter. Bye.